Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, Convoy Crackdown. After 24 days and the unprecedented invocation of the Emergencies Act, a massive police operation clears protesters from Parliament Hill, arrests convoy leaders, and has virtually ended the occupation of Ottawa. But what happens now? Is the Emergency Act still needed, or is it government overreach? How will future blockades be prevented? We'll get the latest from Minister Bill Blair, and then opposition MPs debate the need for extraordinary powers. And then, capital gains? Go home. This occupation is now over. We will continue with our mission until it is complete. As the police take back the capital, how long will they remain? Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson joins us. Plus, playing politics. We're not limiting freedom of peaceful assembly. We're not preventing people from exercising their right to protest legally. At every turn, the Prime Minister has stigmatized, wedged, divided and traumatized Canadians. What will the lasting political impacts be? Are leaders using the protest as a political opportunity to fuel divisions? Will the protest lead to a new populist movement in Canada? Pollster Nick Nanos and former OPP Commissioner Chris Lewis join us on the Scrum. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. 24 days that changed the country. A major police operation is bringing the protest in the nation's capital to an end this morning. Truckers and protesters who occupied Parliament Hill and Ottawa's downtown core to air their grievances against vaccine mandates, restrictions, and the government have largely been pushed out. The leaders have been charged with serious offences like causing mischief. And after the government invoked the Emergencies Act, bank accounts of many leaders have been frozen. But the end game was methodical, forceful, and over the last three days as we watched firsthand and the police move in, it was inevitable. The line is moving. Uh, you can see the protesters right in front of me pushing the... So this is the most resistance we've seen from the protesters. The major battle, both from a strategic and symbolic point of view, was the battle for Parliament Hill along Wellington Street, which was the central location for the entire occupation. Protesters insisted they were peaceful and that this was all just an excessive use of force. But police say, no, they're enforcing the rule of law. We've been very clear from the beginning, as this has escalated and as protesters have not heeded the, the, the urging, the warnings, and then the direction to leave our streets, that we would need to escalate in our tactics. So this morning, police control the parliamentary precinct, large parts of the downtown, and police remain in place throughout the city. But how many protesters are still here, and what happens now? CTV Ottawa's chief anchor, Graham Richardson, joins us with the latest. Graham. Evan, this is Rideau in Sussex, where it all started. It's all locked down now, fenced off the major offensive by police on Friday afternoon, finally pushing protesters out. The streets are back in control of the police from all over Canada, really. This massive police operation. Late last night, they cleared the last blockade. They had just minor mop-ups to do. Acting Chief Steve Bell says this is not over. Even if people have left town, they will be pursued. There will be more charges. 170 people arrested, vehicles seized. The mayor, Jim Watson, talking about selling those vehicles potentially under the Emergencies Act 
and trying to get back some of the millions of dollars this demonstration has cost. The longer term impacts on the people of Ottawa. Many people felt abandoned by all levels of government and the police. A psychological scar on a lot of people here that will take a long time to heal. Many have lost confidence in how protected they are. They felt completely alone for many, many days as the protesters essentially did what they wanted for weeks. Evan? CTV's Graham Richardson doing superb work reporting for us again today. Now, police say this operation would not have been possible without the Emergencies Act. Nearly a week ago, in an historic first, the Prime Minister invoked the legislation by declaring a public order emergency. The act gives the government extraordinary new powers to address the anti-vaccine mandate demonstrations, including a ban on traveling to protest zones and freezing the bank accounts of those linked to the protesters without a court order. Throughout the operation and through the day today, MPs are still in Parliament, continuing to debate the act. There will be a vote on the Emergencies Act tomorrow, and the vote can actually rescind it. The Conservatives in the bloc don't support it, and the NDP say they do, but in a limited way. So, now that control of the downtown has been reclaimed, is the Emergencies Act even still needed? And if tomorrow's vote on the act passes, how long will it be in effect for? Let's find out. Joining me now is the Minister of Emergency Preparedness, Bill Blair. Um, look, the operation is not yet complete, although the key parts of it are. At this moment, the debate over the Emergencies Act continues, sir. In the wake of what's happened, does the government still believe it's necessary to pass the Emergencies Act as most of the protests have dissipated? I mean, we are tracking that. We, we said at, at the time we were prepared to do what was required and, and to provide the authorities that law enforcement needed to do the important job that we needed them to do. Uh, we've, been, we've been tracking it on a daily basis. I, I was briefed by law enforcement officials this morning. Um, it's still clear that, that although they've made very significant progress and, and we're pleased with the progress that they've made, the job's not yet done. And, and the, the, you know, the threat and the risk that the reasons why we, we had to bring forward these measures, unfortunately, still exist. And, and so we've, we've made a commitment to Canadians. We brought these measures forward um, very carefully, I think, in a very measured and proportionate way. And, and we will keep them only as long as they are required. But what is what is still needed when you say the risk is still there? What is the risk that the powers of the Emergencies Act are still needed for the police? I understand there's lots of police, but the Ontario Emergency Measures Act may cover all that. What new laws from the Emergencies Act are still needed right now? Well, a, a couple of things. Certainly, the, the financial scrutiny and financial measures, I think, have been very, very impactful, and that work is still ongoing. Um, and, as well, uh, certain measures that, that allowed the police to come in from multiple jurisdictions to provide support and assistance, we saw how valuable and important that was yesterday, and unfortunately continues to be, because although you know, most, most of the blockades have been, been removed, there are very, still very many people there who, who, quite frankly, insist on either being arrested or continuing um, in, their, in their, their illegal activities. And then finally, we've also seen an, a number of, of, of measures. Yesterday, the Pacific Highway was closed, the, the entry point into the United States. States was closed yet again. And, and so although we're making real progress here and, and the measures we've introduced, Evan, have worked, they've been effective, they, they, they are achieving the purpose for which they were intended. The job is, is, is we're making real progress in getting it right. done. And as soon as the job is done, we'll... we'll okay, be, but, but, but okay, now the measures only have 30 days. And, and again, 
<clears throat> the opposition who don't like it say this has not been a problem of lack of laws, but a lack of law enforcement. But you, you brought up the financial element, which is part of the Emergencies Act. Uh, financial institutions can freeze accounts without a, without a court order. So far, 76 accounts have been frozen, representing about $3.2 million attributable to the illegal blockades. This is where people are concerned about the limits of this, the overreach potential. Can a financial institution now freeze the account of anyone whose face was at that protest, anyone that donated 100 bucks? Give us an idea of the limits and the scope of this new power without a court order. Who, who can get their bank accounts frozen? Well, let me let me assure you, Evan, that, that the, the measures that we've implemented are very focused and targeted on, you know, the very significant sources of information, um, and the, and the, and the financial instruments of, of of that financing are also under under renewed scrutiny. Like the, we unfortunately did not have the tools for FinTrack and for our, our law enforcement officials, you know, to really follow that money, and and so we've put that in place, and they've been doing that work, and they've been doing it very carefully, and 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 exceptionally well. All of it, by the way, will be subject for, in part. Not not just a parliamentary oversight, but judicial review. And so, you know, any, any, anything that, that arises from that um, is, is but, there's but a lot of safeguards. I, I, there's I, a lot of safeguards in place. I know, but we don't, we don't know this. For example, Section 8 of the Charter, as you know, protects people from unreasonable search and seizure. The question is, does the invocation of the Emergencies Act make actions that used to be deemed unreasonable search and seizure now reasonable? So I'm going to ask you again, what's the threshold? Does the law allow a financial institution to look and say, hey, Joe and Jane gave $200 to Canada Unity to the Trucker Foundation we are going to freeze their accounts and investigate. Does it allow them to do that? No, Evan. And I'm, I, no one is interested in that. Let me assure Canadians that every measure brought forward in the Emergency Act must be charter compliant. And the, the highest law in this country is the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We, our government and our courts will always uphold it and respect it. Um, and, and I want to assure Canadians that, that those freedoms are in, enshrined in our charter and they are enshrined in these measures and we'll always be compliant with that. Okay. Um, Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, is now suggesting that he is going to challenge the constitutionality of the Emergencies Act, calling it unnecessary and disproportionate. Last night, I uh, obtained a note that his government on February, 1st, February 5th sent to the federal government, and he copied you on, requesting federal help to deal with the Coots Alberta blockade, saying in order to ensure a free movement of vehicles, people, and goods and services through this pivotal location, we are seeking federal assistance in removing obstructions from the highway. Here, here's my question. If the, Fed, if, if the Alberta could get federal help without the Emergencies Act, as Jason Kenney's government wanted, why was it needed and did the federal government give them help to do that? Evan, the, the province of Alberta wrote, wrote to me and, and asked for help, and, and we listened very carefully. They asked for help with tow truck drivers, they helped, asked for help, and they were very clear that, that the, the, the current situation that they were facing exceeded the, the capacity of the RCMP given their, 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 their current authorities. We worked very hard in response to that, not just with Alberta, but with Manitoba, with British Columbia, and certainly with Ontario. And we responded. And, and, and you know, one of the challenges Alberta was facing is, is they couldn't get any tow trucks down to that, 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 that site to remove those trucks. We put that measure right in the Emergency Act in direct response right. to their request, but also the request we were receiving no, from Manitoba Minister and Blair, Ontario. And, and I get that, but and Minister uh, Lametti and others have said that to me. It, the, the threshold to invoke the Emergencies Act for the first time since 1988 and the first time in history cannot be to get tow trucks. Is that genuinely the threshold, tow trucks? 
Oh, come on, Evan. You, you, we've already talked about the, the important financial measures that we brought in, the, the other measures that we brought in with respect to designated certain spaces uh, where, where certain activities would not be allowed during this emergency. And additionally, of, of the six measures we brought in with the Emergency Act, we, we included a provision that allowed us to solve Alberta's problem with the tow trucks because Ontario had the same problem. If Alberta got the help and dealt with Coots, with, this is the question, and you know the Conservatives are saying that, you solved the Ambassador Bridge and Coots without the Emergencies Act. It's being debated, it will be voted on tomorrow, sir. Uh, if you can resolve those situations and help provinces without the Emergencies Act, uh, again, I'm just asking, when the vote comes up tomorrow, it, your government still believes it's necessary to keep the implementation of the Emergencies Act in place. Yes, unfortunately, as the police have been very clear to us, these tools have been absolutely critical to the progress and success that they have made to bring the situation under control. But unfortunately, the job is not yet done. And we will only can we keep these measures as long as they are required to, to do the job that we put them in place to do. All right, uh, situation still going on, but a totally different situation than it was 48 hours ago, certainly in the nation's capital. The debate about the Emergencies Act continues. Minister Bill Blair, I really appreciate you. I know you'll be in, the, in Parliament today on a Sunday debating that. They'll be voting Monday, but when we come back, occupation over. Who failed to protect the nation's capital? How will the city pursue the protesters? They will be pursued, according to the police chief. We'll find out when the Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson joins us next. Stay right here with question period. It took more than three weeks, but today the nation's capital is back under control from the Ottawa occupation, those anti-mandate, anti-government protesters who occupied the streets for so long. This is the scene this morning. There are still a few trucks, a few demonstrators left behind, but the lasting impact on the nation's capital is far from being determined. Downtown businesses forced to close for weeks will be seeking financial help, and it could take a long time for residents to maybe regain trust in their city. Why did it take so long for police to respond to what happened, and how can the nation's capital move forward from this moment? Let's bring in Ottawa's mayor, Jim Watson, after a long moment. Um, first of all, the operation is continuing. There's still a lot of police in, in your city. Um, there are still protesters late into the night last night. Um, what is going to happen next in the city? How long are police going to stay? Well, Chief Bell did a very good job and his officers, in particular, and those that joined from across the country, including OPP and RCMP and many municipal forces. And he said, we're not leaving until the city is safely returned to the people of Ottawa. So we'll continue to have increased uh, enforcement in and around the residential areas. And uh, obviously, uh, we want to make sure that it's like putting out a, a fire you don't want to have that one last amber that can uh, light up again. You need to have the force that we had through um, the different police services uh, to ensure that uh, this thing ends peacefully and as quickly as so, possible. So, so how long could it be? Okay, yes. Well, that'll be up to the police to determine based on the number of people. Every day we've seen fewer and fewer people. We took away all of the junk of uh, food tents and barbecues and pig on a, on a spit and so on. So there's no reason for them to go back to uh, Wellington, and it's also illegal for them to go back to Wellington. Will, uh, um, was the Emergencies Act, in your view, essential? Because you, you and I had spoken, uh, you'd said that the, the police force and, and, and the city had been, you lost control of your city, essentially. How important was the Emergencies Act that's being debated right now? Well, it was very important, Evan. It was uh, something that we took advantage of. Things like um, 
you know, tow trucks. You know, I've never been so excited to see tow trucks in downtown Ottawa because we were having no success in getting tow truck companies to help us out because they didn't want to get involved in what could be a dangerous situation. So that is one area. Secondly, we have hundreds of police officers from outside of uh, Ontario needed to be sworn in. Well, this took care of that. We didn't have to go into these swearing-ins one at a time that would, would uh, take away valuable time. And something like the, uh, you can't be at one of these protests if you're under 18 years of age. I just found it so ridiculous and frightening that parents would actually think they could bring their kids, their toddlers, uh, into the downtown, which is in essence a police operation. So those are the kinds of things that are in the act and many others that uh, we could take advantage of. One other example, Evan, is that I've asked our city solicitor to look at all of these vehicles we've impounded, uh, how we can uh, sell them and put the money towards the exorbitant costs that we've put down on the table through property tax dollars to get these uh, yahoos out of our city. Okay, so how many trucks have you impounded? And, and, and frankly, what's the bill for your city on this? Well, it's about 25 vehicles have been impounded, and there could be more because they're still scattered on Sir Johnny McDonald Parkway, a few on Wellington. But those will all be taken out, and we've taken you know, that big camper trailer that you were reporting on down at, at Rideau. It's about $800,000 a day just in police costs, and that number will obviously go up because we've had more police. We have to pay for their accommodation, the meals, their travel, and transportation. So we'll be looking to uh, the other orders of government for financial support because we can't afford to handle this issue on our own, given the fact what they were coming to protest were mandates put in by the province of the federal government. Uh, Mayor, will the road, Wellington Street, will that be closed permanently to cars, the one that runs right uh, beneath Parliament Hill now? Is there going to be permanent security changes? Well, that's a good point. You know, I think every time there's uh, an activity, uh, like uh, you remember, but you're too young to remember, but there was a bus hijacking that ended up on the front lawn of Parliament Hill. And that changed things dramatically. We used to be able to go in our cars and drive around uh, the circle at Parliament Hill, going right up to the Peace Tower to, to look at the Christmas lights. Well, that changed. And then when Corporal Cirillo's assassin uh, was shooting up the Hall of Honor, the changes were yeah. significant in terms of the merger of the services under the RCMP. So I think there's going to be, in the short term, uh, measures to prevent people from coming in or those people who shouldn't be on Wellington. In the longer term, we have to look at that, whether we turn it into pedestrian and cycling. There's also the Gatineau tram system that wants to come and use Wellington. So there's a lot to take into account, but there's going to have to be changes because we can't allow this to happen again. Okay. Uh, a lot of your city councillors were calling you to resign. I know the, the police chief resigned, uh, the chair of the police board and others uh, resigned. Who's accountable here? A lot of your counselors said you are, sir. You lost control of your city. Uh, that uh, it was. It, this is on you to to wear. How did you lose control sure. of the city, and who's responsible for what happened? Well, ultimately, uh, I'm responsible as the head of the organization. Uh, and um, what happened was clearly a lack of information, intelligence uh, that was uh, driven to our, our police service and uh, a complete lack of coordination on how these trucks were able to come into the city. It wasn't a surprise uh, move on their part. No, they were and, welcomed. Uh, they were welcomed into, there was like the roadside and saying truckers exit here. I mean, they were literally welcomed into a city that they ended up occupying. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why two of my colleagues, Councillors Hubley and Tierney, proposed a motion uh, two weeks ago that we have a full independent uh, investigation as to what went wrong. And there were some things that, that went right the last two days. It's gone very well. And I know the federal government is required by law to do a, um, uh, their own inquiry 
after implementation of the Emergency Act. So we have to get all the, the information for two reasons. One, the public deserved to find out how this uh, came unraveled. And secondly, how do we prevent it from happening again? Because the last thing we want are copycats coming here and saying, hey, we can get on a Wellington Street, you know, get our 15 minutes of national television time, yeah. and there are no consequences. The reality is we've issued over, I think, close to 4,000 tickets and uh, close to, uh, I think, 100 and some uh, criminal charges. So people are, are not going to be uh, off scot-free once they've well, left uh, the city. Because uh, we have their... Yeah, they're, the police are pursuing people. Just quickly, last question, Mayor Watson. Um, do you think you owe the residents of Ottawa an apology? Yes, and we actually passed an apology resolution at Council last week. They do deserve an apology, particularly the people in Centertown, <coughs> Lower Town, Byward Market. These are vibrant residential neighborhoods. They were held hostage because of the uh, boorish behavior of these individuals who came here uh, and uh, basically turned uh, our most prestigious street uh, into a circus. And uh, those people suffered because of noise right. and stench of diesel fuel and fear to go to the grocery store. So we have apologized because uh, this was not acceptable uh, on our part to allow this to swirl out of control. I gotta leave it there this morning. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson, as the operation continues in your city, thank you for making time for us. Coming up, power overreach. A vote looms on the federal government's move to invoke the Emergencies Act. Is it needed or is it overreach? Will the other parties revoke the measures? We find out next as opposition MPs join us. Stay right here with Question Period. After 24 days, the occupation of Ottawa by an illegal protest is now over. There have been 170 arrests, over 70 bank accounts frozen. But as the battle on the ground unfolded, the debate in the House of Commons continues. The Conservatives say they don't support the use of the Emergencies Act. The NDP say they do, but in a limited way. But have events in the last 48 hours changed views on that? Is the Emergencies Act still needed after the main operation is over? Let's find out. Joining me now is the Conservative public safety critic Raquel Dancho and the NDP MP Heather McPherson. Both of you, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Raquel Dancho, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I talked to Bill Blair, uh, the Minister of Emergency Preparedness. He believes, and the government believes, it's still needed right now. The police chief in Ottawa was clear that he needed the force of the federal government and the Emergencies Act for this operation to be a success. Bank accounts have been frozen, as, you, as you've seen. Do you believe the Emergencies Act was necessary and is still needed? Well, you know, Evan, I just want to start off the top by saying how frustrating it is as a Canadian, as a proud Canadian, to see the events happen in Ottawa over the last couple of days. Uh, it's been a very frustrating time and very sad time. I think regardless of how, you, how you're seeing this, it's, it's a very frustrating sight to see this chaos ensue in Ottawa. And we do feel that it should never have come to this. And I have grave concern that you know, how do we move forward? How do we bring the nation together after this? We're seeing such division. I've never seen such heated, personal and insulting language in the House of Commons. I'm not sure how we come back from this and unite Canadians. And I personally don't feel confident that Mr. Trudeau is that person. Okay, but, but let me ask you the question. I, I, politics side, is the Emergencies Act needed? Again, the police say it was needed. The province says it was needed. Um, the, the government says they're going after the finances of those who, who supported that. I know your party, members of your party, have given advice to protesters, have been out there supporting this protest, and yet at the same time saying it's time to end the very thing that many of your prominent leaders, including your interim leader, have supported. So I'm going to ask again, is the Emergencies Act needed now? 
We don't believe that it's needed. Actually, if you look at the RCMP list that was released yesterday of the emergency powers that they use, they're exclusively the banking powers. We already know that under uh, uh, existing law in the criminal code, they had the power to break up unlawful protests. For some reason, it took them three weeks to use that law. Uh, and now we're seeing that they're just exclusively using the freezing of the bank account as the power that they're saying they need moving forward. Bill, Bill Blair said, uh, Ms. McPherson, that they won't be going after those uh, those $200 donors, although the power of the law may give them that. And I know this is a temporary law for 30 days if it actually doesn't get revoked. Just let's clarify the NDP's position, if you can. We understand that when the vote comes tomorrow, the NDP will support it. But what does it mean you'll vote in in a limited way? So, so I agree with Raquel. This is this is a place we should not be in right now. You know, this is not where where this country should be at. Um, however, I do think that we're we're looking at a situation that is that is very very um, dangerous, very very damaging to our international reputation, very damaging to our economy. You know, we've seen that we've seen blockades of our major infrastructure. We have seen a a occupation of our capital city. So so I do think that that is disappointing as it is that we are in this situation. I do think that we do need to take extraordinary steps to protect Canadians, to protect our democracy. So, so is that voting you know, is that voting for the Emergencies Act? So we're going to we're going to look at it. You know, we are in the house right now debating. I'll be in the house after this interview today doing a doing a speech. Um, I want to make sure that there are some things in place. I want to make sure that there is a really clear um, review of how we got to this place. I want to make sure there is a transparent um, analysis and and report on but, how uh, but, we but got on, to on this the place. Finances, so we'll see. On, on the finances, uh, just for the NDP who you may support, are you, for example, are you concerned that the power to um, uh, freeze a bank account without a court order not only could be, if you don't like this protest, maybe you support that. What if someone says, oh, there was blockades of a pipeline, there was uh, mm -hmm. the situation with the coastal gas link. What if any government says, you know what, we'll invoke the emergency power and anybody who is obstructing a railway or a pipeline, we're just going to crush their bank account. Are you concerned of that kind of overreach? A hundred percent I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about other parties using the, the um, emergency act um, for, for the wrong reasons. So not only do we have to look at whether or not we want to put this in place right now, we need to look at fixing the situation so that we don't have to use it in the future, so that this isn't used as a precedent to use any time that the government wants to wants to stifle protest. You know, protest is vital. Um, and, and taking this step to use the Emergency Act at this point is something that I take extremely seriously. Um, because you're right, there is, there is real risks to this. I think right now it's necessary. I think what we're seeing across this country has shown that it is very clearly necessary. The police have said it's necessary. They require those steps. The, the provincial right. government has asked for the for federal help. I think we're in a situation we don't want to be in, but 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 let's not undermine that. That's where we are. Uh, That's the reality of it. Raquel Dancher, last question to you. Your, your interim leader, Candace Bergen, call, called this a power grab, um, mm -hmm. right? But... Uh, Look, she also said, quote, I'm disturbed and saddened by what we're seeing today in Ottawa. This was just the other day. The situation was created by the Prime Minister and his desire to divide Canadians. I mean, let's be clear. I'm just trying to understand the conservative position. They're, you're saddened by... These are people that have the Canada unity. They want to overthrow the government. These are people that parked 400 trucks for 
24 days on Parliament Hill. It was illegal. I know your party's calling for it to, to, to be disbanded, but at the same time, it seems to be supporting it. So are you concerned that your party is essentially burning your, quote, law and order brand over the mixed messages on this? If I could just comment on the bank account issue, I think that this, there's an important point to be made here, that the federal government does have the existing power to freeze bank accounts. The purpose of the Emergencies Act is to take away the due process of freezing somebody's bank account. So I think Canadians, I think the point needs to be made that Canadians need to be very concerned. This is a scary power to give the government that they can, on a whim, if you donate to a political cause they don't agree with, they can freeze your bank accounts and there's no due right. process and no recourse. Well, no, it ha it, in section, no, made. but to, to be fair, section eight, the, the un undue reasonable search and seizure still applies to it, as you know. Uh, no, actually, when I spoke with the departmental officials, uh, there was no plan of recourse. If your account is frozen, it, that's it. That's, that's how it goes. So it's a very scary thing right. to think that we're giving the federal government this authority. On the, but on the protest, I would say, you know, it's odd. We, we get a lot of, you can really tell the mood of your riding based on what the calls you receive. And so there was a lot of excitement from folks who, at the beginning, who saw this convoy. Maybe the, the couple million folks who aren't vaccinated are those who don't support vaccine mandate, saw this coming across the country as a peaceful political movement, uh, and began, of course, as a, as a peaceful, lawful protest, and then devolved to an illegal blockade. And the Conservatives, we do not support illegal blockades. We do not uh, support the illegal blockades of bridges, of pipelines, of highways, of railways. We don't support the right. eco-terrorism. But it looks like you have. It looks like, you, well, it looks like you've saying, yeah. you know, keep going, protesters. We encourage you. Like, what, what does it look like? It's hard, to, it's hard, it's hard you've, to separate. You've met them for lunch. <laughs> like, uh, like I think, have you met them for lunch, fair. Heather? I haven't personally no, had lunch. No, but, but you know, your leader has, Raquel. Your leader has stood with them. Account. Well, I think what's really important is that uh, in protest, and I think, Heather, your party is, is the party of protest. You've reached out to people who've protested. You want to hear their perspective. You want to lead with compassion. That is what we have done. We have called for the federal government to lower the temperature on this to lead with even compassion and then even we when saw they're, what was happening they're here over for the weekend. All right, so uh, I think Heather, what's really important is that you have consistency in your principles. We've seen your party support every single protest that exists except for this one. And I'm just shocked to see the lack Unfortunately, of Unfortunately, when there's the white supremacy the liberal we can't government that. providing. I think what's so no, strange is the racist. liberal government is going to have the banking, the banking power to freeze accounts okay, here, of those who support politics they don't agree with. And I think that that's very concerning and very right. scary. What, what I do appreciate is the debate. I hope Canadians are watching that is taking place today and tomorrow over this. It's kind of taking place right here on the program. And this is the kind of valuable debate that this demands. MPs Raquel Dancho and Heather McPherson. I know you're going to be jumping back to do this exact thing, but I'm glad you gave us a, a preview of it this morning on our program. Thank you so much much to both of you. Thanks, Evan. Thanks. Okay, still to come, the use of force. The battle to retake Parliament Hill is over after 24 days. Was it an excessive use of force? Did the operation justify the government's extraordinary use of the Emergencies Act or not? Former OPP Commissioner Chris Lewis joins us next on The Scrum. Stay right here with Question Period. overwhelming three-week wait for police to do something about the illegal protest in the nation's capital turned into an overwhelming show of force. Anyone found within the zone will be arrested. In a multi-day operation that continues right now as we're speaking, police from the City of Ottawa, the OPP and the RCMP have worked together to take back Parliament Hill. 
The question is, did they need the Extraordinary Emergencies Act that the federal government passed to do it? Was it appropriate? What actually happened on the battle for Parliament Hill and what will happen now? To answer some of those questions, the Scrum is here. Joyce Napier is the CTV News Ottawa Bureau Chief. Marika Walsh is a reporter with the Globe and Mail, reported from the ground throughout these last days, as did Joyce, and our special guest for this round, former OPP Commissioner and CTV News Public Safety Analyst Chris Lewis. Good morning, uh, and I say that advisedly because I'm sure the three of you haven't had any sleep anyway. Uh, Chris Lewis, I'll, I'll talk to you. From a policing point of view, I mean, there's lots of different ways to flip the telescope. Um, how would you judge this operation, how it went and how it continues to go? Well, it went very well once they had the resources there to start actually taking action, uh, making arrests, making people leave, towing vehicles. It all went, it all went very well. But that was the, the key issue was that critical mass of officers, coast to coast, that I thought they're very professional and did a great job. But them being together, excuse me, uh, working in a united way methodically, uh, and, and, you know, in the kind of a measured way, they didn't just rush in and start throwing people in trucks. I thought it worked very well and, and with a great degree of safety. Okay. Uh, Marika, you were on the ground. You were watching exactly what was happening. And you spent, you know, weeks, as, as many of us did out there. What has struck you? What struck you about the, these last number of, of hours and days as, as finally things shifted? Evan, speaking to the protesters on the ground, not just on Wellington, but on the offshoot blockades across the downtown, what struck me the most is how different mo many of the people who were in these blockades, in these protests, see the world, see the public debate in Canada. They do not agree with some of the basic facts that the Liberal government is putting forward, the facts that the police are putting forward, what is legal, what is not legal, what is the reach of the vaccine mandates, what is the vaccine and what is its safety. So I think there is a huge amount of work ahead and thinking ahead for this government to do on how to bring people more into the fold so that we're sharing the same facts so we can have an actual debate about the policy rather than working on parallel tracks. Yeah, a lot of, Joyce, you know, a lot of us realize this was not about two different policy disagreements. This was about two different realities at times when you talk to people. But, but Joyce, a lot of people said this was outcome dependent, whether or not it was justifiable to use the Emergencies Act. Uh, given what Chris Lewis talked about that, how does the quote unquote success of the operation, does it, does it now justify the use of the Emergencies Act? Well, it certainly justifies the use of the police forces. Um, look, from the beginning, uh, the former chief of police was saying we are outnumbered. So you needed that. The question is, did you need the Emergencies Act to come to this, to have that many uh, police officers from all these police forces across the country and the federal, the RCMP? That's the question. And going forward, uh, what are we going to do with this Emergencies Act? They're gone. Ottawa this morning is a ghost town. There are, it is basically a closed military area. There are huge fences around Parliament. So yes, it is a bit of a victory, but these people haven't gone away. They've left Ottawa, but they're still here. Chris Lewis, did you, did you see any need for the Emergencies Act on the ground? Like, was it, you know, you're a police, was this about a lack of laws needed to deal with this or a lack of law enforcement? It was a lack of bodies, a lack of officers to do what we saw done yesterday. This could have happened day two or three if they could have amassed the number of officers they had. I didn't see anything occur yesterday. I mean, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff in terms of bank accounts and financial issues, 
there may have been tow trucks come that might not have come otherwise because of the legislation. Uh, other than that, the, the making arrests, seizing trucks, towing, cordoning off the city, putting up blockades, they do some of those things for parades in Ottawa. Uh, so that could have been done. Everything could have occurred with officers. And getting officers in is not an emergency act issue. It's every protest I've ever been involved in in Ottawa back to about 2000, we didn't have any emergencies act, and we had thousands of cops and at one time 10,000 demonstrators during one of the, I think it was a Bush visit or something to that effect. We didn't have any emergencies act. People got arrested and sprayed with fire hoses. It just so you don't think so. Just to be clear, you don't you don't think the situation justified the need for the emergencies act. I do not. I think there needs to be a review of legislation going forward and look at what worked mm -hmm. and what didn't. And it, can we bolster some of the existing laws? But I, I don't get it at all as far as the use of it. Okay, so Marika and then Joyce, real quick, what are you watching for now? Because the Emergencies Act is going to be a debate, but it will be used to freeze bank accounts of people who are involved without court orders. Marika, what are your concerns? Well, looking forward and going off of what Chris said, I think that the government needs to think long and hard, not just about the use of the Emergencies Act, but also the policies around the pandemic that created a class of people that do have nothing to lose. You talk to the people in those crowds, they have no jobs, they've lost relationships, they've lost family, and they actually feel like they have nothing to lose. And so it is, it, you cannot underscore enough how divisive these policies were and how impactful these policies were for the people who are scared of the vaccines and who don't understand how they work. And that's something that needs to be carried forward, not just a look back at the Emergencies Act, but a look back at the entire pandemic and its handling. Yeah, Joyce, pick up on that. What are you looking for now? Well, I'm looking for the vote tomorrow. I'm looking to see if once this operation is over, when they will rescind it. I'm also looking for overreach. Um, and I think that everybody has to be very wary about that. Uh, this is a huge law uh, that allows government and police forces to do uh, things that they don't usually do. That's why it's called the Emergencies Act. So, you know, we have to be very careful. This is a democracy and an occupation like this cannot trample, uh, you know, sort of that democracy. And it is. Look, this is a closed, practically a closed military area. How long will that be? How long will businesses be shuttered? And how far will the government go? And once this is over, will they rescind it? Will they go back on it and we can go back to normal? And if they need it, uh, they've said they would extend it. It, it, it. it dies after 30 days unless it's revoked, but yes, they can renew it. Okay, uh, Chris Lewis, Marika and Joyce, hang on. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Chris, we really appreciate not only today, but all the work throughout the week that you've done. We're gonna take a break, but coming up, playing politics. Did the protesters, the debate over vaccine mandates and the use of emergencies divide or unite Canadians? And on what side? Who are the, quote, winners and losers in all this, if there are any winners at all? Pollster Nick Nanos joins us as our special guest on The Scrum. Stay right here with Question Period. 24 days of protest, the unprecedented use of the Emergencies Act after two years of the pandemic and an eruption of anger has the country been changed. The tactical operations are coming to an end today, but the political fallout is just beginning. Are there any winners and losers in the last number of weeks. Our populist politics here to stay in Canada, what does it mean for the political landscape? To talk about that, the Scrum is back. Joyce Napier, our CTV News Ottawa Bureau Chief is here. Bob Fife, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail is here. And our special guest is Nick Nanos from Nanos Research. Uh, okay, welcome back. Nick, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, you've been tracking this. Attitudes about the protests, the ma mandates, the use of the Emergencies Act. Who are the winners and losers here? 
It's been a big black eye for everyone. You know, it's been bad news for Justin Trudeau. The conservatives are in turmoil. The police, at least in the close, managed to salvage themselves. Maybe if there is one winner, why don't we talk about the people of Ottawa, especially those that live in the red zone, that managed to put up with this and kind of deal with the trucking protest and those class action suits. Maybe that was the only winner. But beyond that, bad news across the board. Bob? Yeah, I think there was a failure of leadership, at least for the first three weeks, on all levels of government, and particularly the police in Ottawa. But the real losers to me, and one that I think we should all be concerned about Canadians, is the attitude of many Conservative MPs who have egged on and supported uh, this three-week protest in which there was bullying, uh, horns blaring 24 hours a day, uh, disrupting businesses, having them closed down. And even after the police moved in, you saw Conservative MPs decrying the police, saying that these were military-style actions. They shouldn't, this was a terrible thing to be doing. And one member of, uh, of the Conservative Party in the House of Commons on Saturday was saying, oh, we shouldn't be freezing the accounts of these ringleaders. Uh, this is a very concerning thing because even the front leader of the party, Pierre Polyev, has not denounced uh, this illegal, uh, unlawful occupation and, in fact, has been uh, trying to help his campaign with it. And to me, I'm, I'm concerned as a Canadian that the Conservative Party may be morphing into a Donald Trump-like party. Joyce. Uh, yes, I've uh, had those same thoughts. And I, and, and I kind of agree with Nick that everybody's uh, got a black eye here. But if... And if, and that's a big if, there are winners here, I'm afraid it's the people who actually managed to occupy the city for over three weeks. Uh, this has never occurred before. Um, you know, and, and, and if anyone tried to ignore them, and God knows the Prime Minister did, uh, well, they will not be ignored anymore. So uh, are they a political force? Are they an emerging political force? I think so. Uh, is there something a little bit sinister? Some elements, yes. But those angry people that you heard, they're here to stay. They are the ones that threw pebbles at the prime minister during the campaign. You remember the campaign when we were saying, oh boy, there's a really a lot of angry people against Justin Trudeau? Well, then now uh, the political uh, class should heed that call mm -hmm. and not exploit it as some uh, conservative MPs are doing. Uh, because all you'll do is stoke the fire. So is there a possibility of a dialogue with people who actually have a different reality, uh, who think the election was rigged, um, and, and, and all sorts of things, all sorts of, of conspiracy theories that we heard out there. So this is a very difficult path forward. How do you start a dialogue with these people? How do you bring down the temperature? I don't know. Uh, but I think that, you know, they succeeded in something that's unprecedented in occupying the capital city of a G7 country and confounding three levels of government and a lot of police forces. So, so Nick, track this. Uh, I mean, Justin Trudeau, um, does, you said everybody's a loser here. Uh, in that sense, the vaccine mandates, how he handled this, the conservatives, the provincial government. But are we witnessing a change in Canada? Like, let's go underneath that. Uh, is there a populism emerging, that an angry populism that Joyce and, and Bob are talking about? What, what's going on under the surface here? Well, actually, uh, absolutely, Evan. You know, the fact of the matter is, is even over the last five years when we've been tracking stuff like, 
you know, do you think the next generation will have a higher, lower, the same standard of living? Two-thirds of Canadian believes that the next generation will have a lower standard of living. So there's not a lot of positivity out there. But what we're seeing now is a radicalization of a lot of that views on declinism and kind of anger and protest. And this is what we have to watch out for. And we can't underestimate the impact that Twitter and social media has had in spreading misinformation, disinformation, and in radicalizing things. This hasn't ended. Like, let's face it, we had bomb threats in, hotel, in, in hospitals, and we're probably going to continue to see these types of things. The question is, as a democracy, how do we respond? And, you know, for the conservatives, let's forget about the fact that they think that they might be a party of law and order, because that's out the door. You cannot pick and choose what type of protests and demonstrations you want to crack down on and which ones you're kind of want to have a little more of a gentle hand. That's what we've seen from the Conservatives over the last three weeks. Bob, does the invocation of the Emergencies Act hurt Justin Trudeau? And where does the government go from here? You know, that's a really good question. I'm undecided myself whether we needed to bring in uh, the Emergency Act. It's never been used before. Where, did we not have, uh, did not the police have the powers to properly enforce uh, the laws, uh, particularly since the government, uh, Ontario government, had, had brought in a state of emergency. This is something that we're going to have to carefully look over uh, after the, uh, the, the act is, is finished. But I just wanted to say one thing, uh, Ervin, and, and you and I know this because we were out talking to these truckers. These are people who, uh, you know, work for a living. They own their trucks. They're generally law-abiding. Something lit a fuse for them. And this anger is, is something that we as a as society have to try to figure out. Our political leaders have to try to bring the country together to heal so that we don't have people who are generally law-abiding hitting the streets like this. Joyce, I'm going to give you the last word on that as you're nodding. Go ahead. Well, I think we were all sleeping, and uh, sadly, and, and, and so were uh, Canada's intelligence agencies, and so was the Ottawa police as these truckers were driving towards Ottawa. Not two trucks, many of them being cheered along the way. They should have taken it seriously, or we should have taken it seriously during the campaign as well, and we didn't. We slept as a nation as this anger grew, uh, some of it justified. Uh, some of this anger is actually justified, can be explained. We've all talked to them, and we've all understood. Like Bob said, these people owned mm -hmm. uh, their trucks. These people were law-abiding, and they snapped. All right, i got to leave it there. Extraordinary week, and by the way, tomorrow, another extraordinary day to come. Uh, Nick Nanos, Joyce Napier, Bob Fife. great to have uh, all of you on, and thank all of you for watching Question Period this week, an historic week, at times a disturbing one. Tomorrow, members of Parliament will vote on the Emergencies Act. They can actually reject it or affirm it for this 30-day period. We'll have a special edition of CTV's Power Play starting at 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow to track the latest developments on that critical debate. In the meantime, as I always say, and as our panel just said, we're all citizens sharing a beautiful country. Hug your loved ones, keep the debate going safely, and we'll see you back here in seven short days.